Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the show, is that Jason Concepcion's music? Let's talk about Dune. Welcome to Gam Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Abu. My name's Leo. And Leo, I am giddy with excitement today. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, me too. <laughs> because we have a very, very special guest. <gasps> Who is it? Tell us. Jason Concepcion himself. Ah! Jason, hello, hi, hello. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh! Thank you Jinx. for being here. We are huge fans of yours, Jason, and longtime followers of your work. Yeah. For our listeners that don't know, mm-hmm. Jason is an Emmy award-winning podcaster and writer, host of the X-ray Vision and Take Line, and all caps NPA at Crooked Media. I can't say all of the things you do in one breath, clearly. (laughs) And obviously, uh, we are big fans of you from your uh, time at Binge Mode over at The Ringer. Thank you so much. And today you're joining us to talk all about Dune. I can't wait to talk about it. Because you're actually a big Dune fan, right? I'm 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 a huge Dune fan. I, you know, I've read the book multiple times. I read it for the first time in high school, and I have read it you know, maybe yearly ever since, at least in parts, you know, like not, not all the way through, but I'll read parts of it um, pretty regularly. I just think it's great. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a couple of housekeeping things, Jason, that we want to quickly get out of the way before we jump into the main discussion with you. Sure. First and foremost, today is going to be a no holds bar spoiler discussion. All the books, the extended canon, all the movies, the Lynch film, the Danny Villeneuve film, everything. Primarily, we're going to be focusing on the new film. Right. But just so our listeners are aware, this discussion could veer very quickly off into very spoiler territory. (laughs) Right. So you've been warned. As always, you can write to us if you have thoughts, questions, comments, concerns at gamjabarpodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. That's right. And final bit of housekeeping, we do have a Patreon where you can support us. You'll have early access to book club episodes and a bunch of goodies and bloopers. We also have a merch store, gamjabarshop.com, where you can look at all of the cool custom designs that Leo himself put together for our cool merch. Some of them. So two great ways to support the show. Yeah. Alrighty. So to the main discussion, Jason. Yeah. Our listeners have heard plenty from us at this point. Mm -hmm. So much. (laughs) So... Today, we want to focus on your thoughts and your opinions on the film and the Dune franchise as a whole. And we figured to sort of limit ourselves from talking for hours and hours about (laughs) Dune, uh, we'd focus it to just the two 
sort of key takeaway things that you loved about the film that you took away after watching it multiple times now, I assume. Mm -hmm. And the two things that maybe didn't work for you or you thought fell short or didn't quite match your own vision of it as a longtime Dune fan. Oh, wow. Gosh. So let's jump into the two things that you liked first. Mm -hmm. Talk us through the first thing that you picked. Um, I loved how loyal it was to the book. Yeah. In in plot and in kind of like vibe and texture, it maintains, you know, I, I think there's a world in which the lesson of the David Lynch Dune experience for, a, you know, a major motion picture studio is like, that's too fucking weird. Let's not do anything weird this time. Right, right. And um, that's not what happened. It maintained like all the the appropriate weirdness. Mm-hmm. It is a story about a teen who trips out in the desert, <laughs> like on a space hallucinogen, and just gets super weird. So that's all in there. Right. I loved. I, I think the casting was kind of like dead on perfect. You know. Yeah. Chalamet. I'm a fan. I think he's really good. Um, we didn't get a, a lot of uh, Zendaya's Chani, but still, I think it has the kind of like presence that is so appropriate for the role. And like Bardem's, uh, Bardem's Silgar was awesome. Oh my God. So good. Unbelievable. Just like a salty guy. <laughs> His, every line reading was like just completely like off the top rope. Um, <laughs> and. Such a huge, like, contrast to Everett McGill, who had, you know, Everett McGill was fine. He had a very regal presence. Yeah. But, like, Bardem brought this uh, discomfort and confidence, but also a discomfort within the halls of power. Yeah. Uh, you know, around discomfort around outsiders kind of thing yeah. that I really liked. I love the way he... um like I love the way he leaves. Yes, you yeah. know, like yeah. after uh, after Duke Leto is like, hey, you know, like listen, uh, we're gonna go where we have to go because the emperors might tell me to go into the desert, and then I have to go there. So like honor would command me to go to the desert, but I your sieges are yours. Like I'm never gonna I'm never gonna fuck with the sieges, and then Bart Bart got this <laughs> like he just is like that's very honorable. <laughs> and then he's just like I, i'm leaving and that's it i'm right. gonna go i right. try yeah. uh at, and i love that i just love he had this very like twitchy uh random hard to pin down energy that was i thought great um for a character who is obviously so distrustful of off-worlders outsiders people from outside of his community so i really like that yeah and you know, I've, I'm a fan of Villeneuve's. I love Sicario. Yeah. I thought Arrival was fine. I thought uh, Blade Runner 2049 sucked. <laughs> but everything has always looked great. Right. Uh, and I think Dune just looks great. Like it looks. Yeah. Richard Brody had a really funny review in The New Yorker that was like, it's funny how cheesy the new Dune looks. That's his like, uh. opening line. I was like, man, I totally disagree. Like, he did go for a very like natural light. This is really happening, like not heightened at all. This is what it would look like if you were on this planet, kind of like cinema, uh, cinemagraphic look and feel. And I, I love that. I loved how small the characters were often against the backdrop right. of 
the landscape, against the worm, against the spice harvesters and stuff, really giving you that sense of like immense scale. And then like there are so many through lines with the like design language, not just of like Jodorowsky's like aborted Dune, <laughs> right. but like uh, but Lynch's Dune, like a lot of the design stuff that was so striking from those projects is, is kind of like still here. Mm -hmm. That weirdness, you know, the, the, um, the Harkonnens, like the darkness of them and the, the grossness of them is comes through, not in the, you know, not in the kind of Lynchian way where like for no apparent reason, there's like <laughs> Lansing Baron Harkonnens like pimples, but it was, <laughs> it's still like off putting, which I think is, is correct. Um, and I, and, and again, just like the overall weirdness, this is a weird, it's a weird story. It came out in the mid sixties, right? You know, as this kind of like psychedelic wave was cresting, and that is very much present in the book. That is a big part of it. It's about consciousness expanding. It's about tapping into the kind of like innate human power through the expansion of the consciousness and the mind, um, and all that stuff is there, man. Yeah, Paul trips out. Paul fucking. Gets a gets a um, an ambient hit of spice and just like loses his shit, right. which I think is fantastic. <laughs> I can't wait to see how they approach some of the things going forward. No kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I was a little bit concerned that walking out of there that maybe we wouldn't get part two, but now that's been announced and we know we have part two. So I'm excited. I'm excited, and I think uh, you know I'm very interested, as I'm sure y'all have talked about. Mm. This is book one is. The normal one. Yeah. That's yeah. the book. It's the hero's <laughs> journey, you know, like, you know, Harry Potter going to school, Luke Skywalker. It's all that shit. It's that, it's that hero cycle of a young person who enters into a new world, finds new powers, and then leaves forever change. Right. The books after that are very much not the normal ones. Like, that's when <laughs> Herbert's cynicism and kind of his cynicism about power really comes out and it subverts a lot of the expectations that have, that were set up in book one, I think, and set up because people just come into a, a book like that with, you know, preconceived notions about what a fantasy story, sci-fi story is going to be like. And book one definitely fulfills those. Yeah. Books two and three, de uh, I no don't. So <laughs> I'm fascinated to see where he goes with it. Um, yeah. But if he stays loyal to that, I, that will be a very brave thing and I'll be excited to see it. Yeah. Did you have preconceived notions going into this film of what, no. what you were expecting and where they met? I mean, I think the thing, you know, it was, it had already been out there that this was only about half the first book. Right. So I was just wondering like, where is the stop? Where do we stop? Where's the natural stopping point? And I think walking out, I was like, I wonder if people will be confused by that. Right. Because it does just kind of end. Yeah. You know, like abruptly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, in a way, again, that as a book reader feels feels great. But also if you are like, if I'm a non-book reading fan of big popcorn sci-fi tentpole movies, I walk out of the end of that and I'm just like, what? <laughs> so then what's what are we what's where are we going to like what happens so they just like walk off and leave um so i'm delighted that it seems like people are not confused by it right but i think just 
like, how is this going to translate? Is this going to be as weird as it kind of needs to be to be loyal to the book? And if it is weird, how will people respond to it? Because it is in a lot of ways not, you know, it gets compared to Star Wars because of the space empire shit. And clearly there's a lot of through lines there as there are from Foundation, the other great space empire book that right. came out about 10 years before Dune. But it's a lot weirder than those. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> quite consciously. So like, well, people like that. Yeah. You know, like that's, and that's my only, that, and, and that's, that was really my only question. And, you know, like, will people like, if it goes to the subversion area, like, will people like that? Because, you know, movie one, and I'm sure movie two will set people up to be like, oh, fuck, Paul Atreides, right. man, that's my guy. That's yeah. Neo in the Matrix. Yeah, like, we're right. doing it. Holy shit. Like, yeah. we're going to change the universe. <laughs> yeah. This guy is the, the hero that the galaxy has been waiting for, yada, yada, yada. Mm, uh, that's definitely not <laughs> and it. And then Messiah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, right. And then the comparisons to Hitler. Right, right. Yeah, we'll see how people feel about that when the, when the character that the first two movies are based on, that they hopefully <laughs> fell in love with turns into space Hitler. Yeah. Right. So do you think like you said the part, uh, one part of this movie you loved so much was the accuracy to the book. Yeah. Honoring that source material as closely as possible. Uh, do you think part two can continue to be that accurate? And in the books, like where do you think the cutoff of how accurate to weird we can be? Oh man. You know, like, how weird worm god I, f I feel like is unfilmable but <laughs> maybe i'm just not into weird movies i mean maybe there's a i i think that worm god is probably unfilmable like i i think that gola duncan idaho is honestly a fucking stretch <laughs> like i feel like that's something we got to set up in movie right too i mean jason momoa over here is like make my career you know like make yeah. my next decade right i think if you come in in movie three with like here's a whole new concept the gola i think people will be like what um, i feel like that's something that you got to set up a little bit like you know it gets obviously a lot more psychedelic in the second half of the book with the water of life stuff and with right. the introduction of Aaliyah and the way she grows up like over the course of like in two weeks, she's like walking and talking <laughs> and like making sex jokes. So I think that that is, will be a lot. Now, the great thing about the second half of the book is it's also like where a lot, where all the action is. Right. So, you know, you can kind of sprinkle in the weirdness in between, you know, Fremen raids and the, fucking duel with fade ralph and shit but they said this was unfilmable and they were wrong and so i i i wait to see what's next i do like one big change that i like that they made was like no tanks for the for the spite the spacing guild mm, yeah. like navigators they're not like sitting in a huge tank right like talking to people from inside of a tank i like that it was just the helmet that is a cleaner look. Yeah. Um, and so I think if you make little changes like that, where it's like, okay, this makes more sense on the screen than some fucking guy in a big <laughs> aquarium of spice <laughs> talking from inside right. there, you know, like I, then, right. then that the makes fish sense. from that Guillermo movie shape of water. In a yeah. tank. Yes. <laughs> or even like the David Lynch, like mutated, the mutated like navigators from the David Lynch movie with the right. weird, like, um, you know, butthole mouths. And the, shit. the close up on the butthole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Goopy, goopy butthole mouth. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's going to be some changes in part two. Like, yeah. Alia, for instance, I don't think can be like actually a two-year-old. She'll probably right, have to can. be aged up a little bit for yeah, that not can. to be so weird. You don't think they're going to do like a Jim Henson prosthetic, <laughs> like a little <laughs> puppet two-year-old, <laughs> like a Muppet? Like she walks off and then comes back and it's five minutes later, but she's three years like older or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think you're right. I mean, I think they'll go the route of the just because of how easy it is, how much easier it is to work with someone older. I, I think they'll probably go the Lynch route where they get like a younger actress, maybe eight, nine, ten or something like that. Or maybe even like maybe they leap forward and do like a teenage Aaliyah. Yeah. Which I guess would make sense for the the stuff that happens in Dune Messiah, but like, but it, uh, that is where I think it gets significantly weirder <laughs> for like the normal right. audience is like Aaliyah and that stuff. I'm curious what they're going to do with Timothy. How do you make Timothy look like a grizzled late twenties guy, like man, when he already nails the sort of young teenager so well, just as like a as an aesthetic? I don't know. I, th- I I would imagine that you just let it go. You just let it go, yeah. right? You just yeah. let him age at his normal rate, and he will look fine. He's already playing a character who's what like eight years younger than he is, yeah, um, or something like right. that. I right. think that that part of it is fine. I wonder if there will be any time jumps and stuff like that. That is a, that is a thing that I've I've thought about. Yeah, but the rest of it, I think that they can keep this cast. I I. The other thing that I was a little bit like, hmm, like not even a mention of Fade Routha. Like, do they mm. bundle Raban and Fade Routha into a, an amalgamation character? I guess that's still on the table, right? I think that would be a little weird because they've yeah. basically set up Raban as like the dumb guy, which he is. Um, and Fade Routha is like the smarter guy who is like yeah. constantly trying to kill his uncle, which I think is so <laughs> such a funny part of the yeah. book. And he's just like constantly plotting to kill his uncle. It's like Pink Panther, uh, you know, and yeah. Kato type shit. Yeah. So yeah, that is the part that I'm, uh, the, the casting for part two, I'm really eager to see. Yeah. Yeah. And there's already rumors circulating about that too. I'm curious. You mentioned you liked that a lot of the weirdness was maintained in this movie. Yeah. Boy, Trips in the Desert, all of that is in, in this adaptation. What other weird parts did you enjoy? Like, what were your thoughts on things like oh, yeah. the Benny Gesserit and how they were represented, the voice? Oh, I love the voice. Like, what other weird parts of this movie did you like? Yeah, I love the voice. Um, I love the way it is a blend of different voices whether it's no matter who is speaking right it's like a blend of the reverend mother's voice and maybe some voices that we don't recognize but then it's also paul's voice and it's also jessica's voice all of which is kind of a a great metaphor especially for those who haven't read the book for what the Benny Gesserit as an organization and as like powerful individuals are capable of. They they have access to the genetic memories of all these past Benny Gesserit sisters. So like for the way I took it was with the way the voice kind of like is all these different people is you're calling on the power and the experience in that moment of all these different individuals through genetic memory. And so I thought that was really cool. Mm. Um, I, I kind of wish they would have gone into the Mentats a little bit more. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought the Benny Gesserit, we got just enough. Like, I could have yeah. 
I could have gone for more, but like you know, UA gives gives a nice little download on yeah. Benny Gesserit are up to something. They're doing stuff, uh, which you'd think other people would have talked about. That, but it's <laughs> weird that like you haven't. Oh, Paul, you haven't heard this yet. <laughs> Benny Gesserit are like up to shit. Um, so that's weird that isn't it isn't talked about more. But the Mentats, we barely kind of went into what they are, and and I guess I kind of missed like you know Peter DeVries. I would have liked some twisted mentat, a little bit more, a, a sprinkling more of twisted mentat in the movie. He goes out uh, pretty fast, yeah. But like mentats in general, as as a um, counterweight to the Bene Gesserit within the kind of culture and lore of Dune, I thought was is obviously really important, and I would have loved to get a little bit more of that, especially if. Uh, you know, maybe they'll go away from this, but like, especially because in the book, you know, there's that idea that Paul was Mentat and right, right. Benny Gesserit, you know, like, so, so like that, that idea um, is so powerful. I, I, I could have done with a dash more Mentat. Yeah. Yeah. We're in agreement. We, we've talked about that too. It, it, it was a bummer that Thufir didn't get more love. We got a little bit of eyeball action, and then <laughs> that was kind of about it. I mean, he yeah, he offers to resign, and then uh, and then that's it. We don't we kind of lose track of him. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, spoiler that we'll see him in 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 movie two. Um, you know, unspooling his spider's webs as he attempts to, uh, <laughs> you know, undermine the Harkonnens while also yeah. like clearly helping them <laughs> man for like a solid two or three seconds I thought you meant literal spider webs from that spider creature oh, I was yeah. like he's just trying to get out of a weird spider web trap uh as long as there's no like milking cat I think I'm gonna be yeah pretty I'm happy. glad that that's not there I'm glad there's no milking cat I'm glad there's no <laughs> like crushing like a mouse in a in a <laughs> oh, juicer yeah. and then drinking yeah. it out of a straw. Like I'm glad that that stuff is not in there. God, yeah. Well, we're we're already sort of veering <laughs> into some critique territory. So well, let's actually jump to you had two things that you had in our script here that you wanted to talk about that didn't quite work for you. Sure. So let, let's talk about some of your critiques. Um, and this is really small. Yeah. But the main one I had was the shield fighting. Yeah. Now, as you as as you all know, shield fighting is mm. it's it's very important in the book, not just because of the way it frames um, the action, particularly between like uh, warring armies, be it the Sardaukar and House Atreides forces or whoever, and the Fremen, whoever, right, right, but because of the way it colors the uh, the instincts of Paul when he is later dueling with people with Jamis and dueling with Fade Rautha, like that understanding of, oh, this person has fought with a shield. There's that little bit of, there's a little bit of delay. They're favoring this side. They're waiting for the blade to hit before they strike back. And so um, that like factors into a lot of Paul's calculations. And it just kind of like didn't work for me. This is not to say that Obviously, the David Lynch, like, shield fighting shit looks hokey as fuck. <laughs> the PlayStation 2s? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I thought that they really conveyed, like, what it was, that the slow blade is what penetrates, 
that uh, you know anything uh, that's moving at a at a kind of like killing pace, a, an arm swinging pace is just not going to get through projectiles. That's why projectile weapons are not they're they're basically useless in this uh, future because they're just not going to penetrate anything. And so when we see you know Duncan fighting Sardaukar and he's just like like slashing them and then they die, I thought that could have been. I thought that could have been done better. Now they do give you like the blue versus red. So the blue for like the shield parrying the blow and then the red for it's getting in, but you don't really see it. I mean, you know, when, uh, when the house of Trades troops are at the top of the stairs and they're fighting that, um, you know, attempting to, uh, repel the Harkonnen troops, it's just kind of like a blur of, of stuff. And then like, even when you would have, thought okay here's a great here's an opportunity for like a really cool like set piece Mm -hmm. like the kind of set piece that like after this movie comes out someone's gonna log into youtube and be like duncan idaho sacrifice in the you know in the room like in the station like ecology station yeah yeah Uh, duncan idaho fights versus sardaukar like and and there's your real chance to make something that is like visually compelling and that stands alone as like a piece of set piece action, much like like the throne room fight from The Last Jedi does, you know. Right. Uh, right. And that just and that didn't happen, and there that never really materializes. I I, I would say, and this is a, again a nitpick because I don't think the action is bad, but I would just say like the action could have been super compelling and it just kind of wasn't yeah and and in particular the shield fighting i thought could have been done in a way that was both more aesthetically um you know driving and also explained like what was going on like could have been shot in a way that yeah i'm gonna tell De- uh, denny villeneuve how to do his job now but like could have been could have been done in a more like <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know a more compelling way that's what that and again it's a nitpick right but right. you know it's like you know like when when uh, duncan is like killing the starter car he's just kind of like slashing full speed and then they die yeah so i don't know i thought it could have been done better that's just me yeah yeah it's totally valid you know abu and i have talked about how we think that the fight scenes, especially one-on-one fight scenes, needed just a handful more anime. Yeah. Give us some, like, stretch time, some, like, in the perspective of the characters. What are they thinking about? Where are they focused? What are they worried about? Make it more of a, like, slowed-down narrative fight scene. Right. If you're going to honor the shield kind of element. Um, And then the other thing, and I've thought more about this, Abu, since we talked about it with Elaine, Mm -hmm. but... You know, we were talking about how in the books, they don't really address how Holtzman shields deal with force. Right. They just kind of repel. But where does that force go? Does it get transmitted at all? And we see Duncan hop into that ornithopter. You know, he he flies up, he rocket shoots a bunch of grounded ships. The ship gets hit by a projectile and it, you know, gets pushed in the air. Right. Which I think lends credit to my theory that Duncan motherfucking Idaho is just swinging with like a 200 pound swing. So even though it's repelled by the shield, he's just crushing rib cages. Like he's just he's just brute forcing these Holtzman shields. That's my headcanon. That's my theory. Yeah, I think that works. I mean, I like that theory. Yeah, and I wish, and honestly, you know, like those those kind of the slow projectiles that hit the shield and then keep driving through, as we saw uh, uh, the Duke get taken out by one, Dilfleto, right. and we saw like the various like Atreides ships get taken out by projectiles like that. 
again, I know what's going on, so I'm yeah. like, that's I get it, but I just wonder if it could have been done in a in a little bit of a a better way. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess if you know, part of this is like you know, again, not to Marvel movie this, but like it could have been some of these fights could have been fucking cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. they could have been like really, really like the Duncan Idaho one in particular was a chance to do something really like that stands alone as a striking piece of like action choreography and yeah, yeah. not that it's bad but just that it could have been more right yeah it could have been daredevil hallway one shot yes you know the thing yeah. you youtube and watch over and over again that kind of shit yeah yeah did your feelings about that choreography extend to the Jameis fight at the end too because to me that was partly also why the movie kind of felt like it ended yeah because maybe marvel movies have trained me to expect like a big third act but it was Kind of a, that fight was a bit of a letdown for me. It did. It did. I thought, listen, I don't know how much of this is like, does Timmy want to do like six hours of like hand to hand gung fu, like, you know, a day for two months to get, I don't know if that's that's what it is, but it again felt like, you know, part of what is central about Duke Leto's plan is that, okay, the Sardaukar are the best trained most brutal most capable troops in the galaxy and you can't really challenge the power of the emperor unless you can come up with troops that like can possibly match them and he's like almost done it with the help of duncan and with right uh Thufur Hawat's, uh strategic mind behind him and gurney halleck as, as war master but like the fremen are a notch above because of like the brutal at you know environment that they live in because of their uh particular warrior culture and so for paul to take out a fremen like that (laughs) you need to i felt like we needed to understand like what a big deal that is yeah you know like because i think if i go into that as not a book reader and like 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 say you you substitute a sardaukar for jamis right Mm mm-hmm from what based on what you've seen, you probably have very little expectation that Paul like beats a Sardaukar like in one to one combat, right? But right. like that's essentially what he has done. He's he's beaten a fighter who's better than a Sardaukar, who's better yeah. than the Navy SEALs of the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. And because it's so like uh, naturalistically shot and choreographed, and uh, you know, with a lot of like the action kind of like uh, blurring off out of the frame and stuff like that. It doesn't really land what a fucking achievement this is. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like he <laughs> he took out basically with ease like a hardened Fremen warrior. So that should have been felt like a bigger deal than it felt like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The the attack on Arakeen, while big and epic and I loved seeing the shields contain the explosions like yeah. in, within the it looked very cool but it was very hard to follow because it was dark and yeah like a blur of bodies and shields smacking into each other uh, so we're, we're definitely in agreement on that part two needs to have like some real fucking crazy act like i we need to see it like yeah. it's gotta be yeah. some real set piece shit i'm hoping that that is the case yeah. for for uh, the second movie Right. I mean, the shield, shield wall getting blown up. Yeah. Worms coming down. Like, that's got to look crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it's got to look unbelievable. The fucking duel with Fade Rautha, that's got to be like, you know, Jackie Chan type yeah. stuff, you know? Ip Man. Yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for when we get this. 
I will say I loved the like vision of the golden warriors mm. diving and like yeah. the the choreography of that scene where he's you know he like rolls over someone spins stabs slashes yeah. that whole thing with the sandworms like exploding in the background yeah, yeah. I was like this is so fucking cool so I know it's there like in the creative vision somewhere yes I just hope that it's tapped at the right times yeah in part 2 I agree it was also to be fair, it was also like probably not Chalamet. Like, <laughs> what? You know no. what I mean? Like what? it probably was only <laughs> oh, no. that was probably only his face, you know, like on a CG stuntman's body. So that part of it, you know, like again, and this is not to cast aspersions on Timmy, who I think is one of our great actors, but I think that was probably not him. <laughs> and I wonder if he can. I would, and you know, all of which is to say is I wonder if he can sell the action at the level that we're talking about and i gotta stress again this is like a nitpick yeah yeah it's small yeah it doesn't in any way ruin this movie i love this movie yeah but if there's a way that they could take it up a level it's with the action definitely i had the same thought you know gurney comes into the training room he goes don't stand with your back to the door and right the person presumably timothy chalamet does this incredible like triple flip (laughs) slash attack on the dummy but with his very importantly with his back to the camera (laughs) and then it cuts around and it's timothy's face and he goes i'm not in the mood gurney yeah (laughs) Yeah. well maybe in the anime you know yeah yeah Yeah. in the the fingers crossed dune anime adaptation someday on disney plus dune visions yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay we're gonna take a quick break here but stick around Seriously, uh, when we're back from the break, we're going to talk about drafting a basketball team from Dune characters. So I know you all love sports. Let's get into it right after this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, well, Jason, we had a couple more very, very important questions we wanted to ask you. Yes, absolutely. So let's maybe jump into the second half of today's episode where we, where we wanted to pick your brain about some really important stuff. Of course. Vital. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> First and foremost, yeah. Jason, yeah. we know you're big on basketball, uh-huh. and I don't know if it's been clear to our listeners, but like me and Leo, two huge nerds, yeah. like not sports people. It's okay. But we wanted to play to your strengths. Yes. And uh, I kid you not, I, uh-huh. I like Wikipedia basketball positions because we wanted to ask <laughs> you to step into the shoes of the head coach of the Arakeen Desert Eagles basketball team. Yes. Yeah. And we wanted to get your pick for who is in your starting lineup of yeah. all the characters across the entire Dune saga and the entire universe. Yes. Who would make it into your starting lineup? Okay, let's, uh, let's do it. Um, let's start with... Gosh, at point guard, I mean, this is going to be crazy, but I thought Muad'Dib, the actual animal, (laughs) (laughs) the actual mouse, the desert desert mouse, you know, it's clever, knows how to survive in the deep desert, the smallest 
uh, player on the court is often the, the point guard. So I thought that would be a great place for um, the desert mouse, <laughs> who is so important to you know Paul Atreides' rise in the esteem of the Fremen. Like it's right. it's the yeah. fact that he is yeah. drawn to this animal and that he and that he goes, hey, what do you? What's the you know the little rat? Yeah, what is that? And then they're like, oh, Muad'Dib. Yeah. holy shit, you are the Lisan Al Gaib. Oh, oh my god, like wow. That's the point guard of our basketball team. How did That's you know po- that? The, did you, how the fuck? So I think that Muad'Dib, the actual, yeah, the actual mouse, the actual animal, and and I'm by the way, I'm glad we saw. I'm glad we saw the desert mouse. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Oh totally. my gosh. In the in part one, I, I'm glad that we saw that. Give me that merch. So cute. Uh, what do you What do you think his um ball handling skills would be though? At, 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 you know, at, at a at a uh, very tiny like. I honestly, I know, think half half a foot tall. If you underrate him, you're uh, you're gonna you're gonna be in for surprise because I mean, again, this is an animal that thrives in a incredibly harsh environment <laughs> where there is no water like none where does he get the water don't worry about it his ears right right it could be yeah as shooting guard i'm gonna have paul okay i'm gonna have paul take most of the shots here i want paul to be my my score my whole team is just like can we set up paul atreides yeah uh and and ride the hot hand of paul atreides <laughs> um i think that you know th- this is a little bit of like a anachronism in terms of the league but you know i'm thinking like michael jordan was a shooting guard i want my most charismatic player to be the shooting guard right um and so i want that to be paul atreides obviously a super charismatic guy all the legends fit him yeah so that's what we want we want all the we want the guy who all the legends <laughs> say this is the guy to be uh, to be front and center and so that's paul yeah. as his coach are you telling him to lean into the prescience on the court or to reel it in like should he be i want him to lean into it sure as long as he doesn't get as long as it doesn't like distract him from what is actually <laughs> like i could see a thing where it's like he we go to the sideline He's like, uh, you know, give me the water of life. He drinks the water of life out of like a Gatorade <laughs> squeezy. And then we go yeah. back out to do the play. And then it's like three years later, we're all like, Paul. And he's just like, it, everything happened in two seconds in his mind. And he doesn't realize that we've he's been standing on a basketball court for like three years. Um, so that's a danger. But I think it's one that we'll, we'll, we'll deal with because yeah. this guy can sell merch. Uh, he's gonna gonna not just win games for you but he can sell sneakers he's obviously gonna sell a lot of uh, a lot of still suit boots um (laughs) right you know fitted desert style play without rhythm yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. the whole thing you know and okay so small forward i think we need some experience on the team we need some veteran guile um i'm gonna go with rev mo the reverend mother oh yeah um i call her rev mo Revmoji. <laughs> she first of all, she's going to know all the plays that are being called. She's going right. to know everything that's happening. Yeah, it's, it's part of the missionaria protectiva. Yeah. Yes, and it's like it, so you don't know, like you legitimately don't know, like when the opposing team is like discussing strategy, they have no idea. Like, are, is this really the right strategy to like play against the Arakine Desert Eagles, or is this like a legend that was planted? centuries ago right. by like the sisters of Revmo Revmo G. Right. 
The other thing is, like, if you're guarded by her, you're always thinking that gum jabar, it's going to stick in my leg. It's going to yeah. stick in my right. stomach or something. So you're just, she's going to shut you down defensively. Right. Um, power forward, this is a little outside the box, but I think the Beast Raban. I just want a guy Ooh. who's going to crash oh, the fucking, yeah. you just tell him. I want you to go to the basket and, and squeeze. squeeze. Right. right. <laughs> squeeze. Every rebound. My court. Yes, that's yours. <laughs> Block every fucking shot. You grab every rebound. <laughs> every loose ball is yours, Raban. I want you to fucking squeeze. And then he says, like, what about uh what about the um but what about our opponents? Mm-hmm. And I say, you fucking kill them all. Kill them all. <laughs> like, you wipe them out. Genocide. You kill everyone. And he just goes, yes. Okay, good. Yes, uncle. So I want I want Raban at power forward. And then at center, I saw somebody else pick this too, and I think it's right. Get the Baron in there. He's got the yeah. suspensors. Yeah. Uh, does that mean, like, I think that literally means he's never traveling. Like, if you throw him <laughs> the ball and he just floats to the basket... <laughs> I think that's good because he's taken zero steps. Right. So right. a little bit of a loophole there. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a very wily, a little bit of a brilliant character. I think you could say he's probably a locker room cancer because he's <laughs> constantly thinking about, like, how can I pit people against? He's like, how can I pit my coach against the star? Right, like, right, what if right. I, you know. You know, what if I uh, secretly set up an assassination attempt for Paul? Like, but that's all part of the, that's all part of team building. Right. But I think like the fact that he can, you can throw it to him off the pick and roll and he just floats to the basket, I think is, <laughs> is so valuable that I think you have to have him. Yeah. You have to have him. Yeah, absolutely. And also like, you know, we forget about this, but he's, he's Paul's uncle. Right. So right. there is that family bond there. Grand, granddad. Granddad, whatever it is, like so cousin, yeah, yeah. third, yeah, yeah, fourth yeah. cousin, a million times. Removed. He's got that family, family, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever it is, yeah. blood relation. That is my team. Makes a difference, yeah. right? And and that that I think helps you to like sort of Ted Lasso this ragtag group and get them to believe. You know, you, that helps you keep him in line. Right. Right. Yes, I mean I think it's huge. I think that this is it's a well balanced team. Um, and so I've, I'm really excited about it. And we've never, you know, there's never in sports history has a player played with the source of their nickname. Hey, like Magic Johnson did not play with magic, literal magic, yeah, with literal magic. But we have that here with Paul Muadib playing with Muadib. So right. that's huge. Right. Yeah. Wow. This is a Pixar movie in the making, starring Muadib, <laughs> and yeah. has come up on the court <laughs> like Ratatouille. Yeah. <laughs> Paul takes his hat off and there's a mouse holding his hair. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Well, I mean, that is a solid team. And again, who who are we to tell you you're wrong about basketball, Jason? Clearly. But um, we also made some picks. I can't wait. Yeah. And if you're okay with it, we'd love to share them with you. And maybe you can just rate radar picks and uh, maybe poke some holes in why those would be bad ideas. Sure. So let let me share... My picks. Yeah. For point guard, I also went sort of small, quick person. Sure. Not quite as small and quick as Mwadeep. Yeah. But I picked Chani. Mm-hmm. Great. We know she's solid on her feet. We saw at the end of the movie that she criticized Paul for climbing up move. the hardest way. She can move. She can move. Yeah. So I feel like she's- Is she on the, is she on the birth control poisons at this time, like unbeknownst <laughs> to her? Uh, you know, I don't have Irulan on my team, so I think I'm safe. I don't think I have any. She's any like, Irulan's like, hey, Charlie, I made your lunch again. <laughs> right. Make sure to eat all of it. Right. 
here's your Gatorade bottle that I specifically made yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, drink that all down. Drink Don't forget all. to get every last drop of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> that weird taste, it's just the electrolytes. They added it's more electrolytes. Yeah, Don't worry about it. <laughs> In Shooting Guard, I had Jessica. Jessica, um, I chose her because I figured a combination of all of her skills, the voice, the weirding way, we know she... You know, overpowered Stilgar, she who fucked Stilgar up. is obviously already a very competent fighter. He's so. great at basketball. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it threw that whole siege into disarray when that happened, but right. it was impressive. Right. So, you know, she, she can bring some of that uh, deadliness to the court, uh, I hope. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In small forward, I also had Paul on my team in a different position, but I think it's important to have Paul on your team, considering most powerful human in the known galaxy at that point. Sure. His prescient abilities are unmatched. He would be out here anticipating things long before they happened. Mm -hmm. So I think just like you, Jason, I would tell him to really lean into the prescience and mm. take that risk of him maybe falling into a two-year trance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in power forward, I also had sort of a bigger, tougher guy, but I went Duncan Idaho. Nice. Mainly based off of Jason Momoa, yeah! because I Googled everyone's <laughs> height in the movie. Because in the movie, everyone doesn't look their proper height. Jason Momoa is like 6'7", apparently, according to the what internet. The hell? Yeah, he looks like the guy. Yeah. Uh, so big, tough, uh, and we know he can take down a number of Sardaukar, and that shields don't matter for him. So I feel like he could... <laughs> he ignores rules. <laughs> He, he could really be um, controlling the court that way. Very physical and dependable. Plus, he's loyal. Just as a as a side note, Abu, if he retires because, you know, he ages out of basketball, you know you're just going to have him again have as him a forever. GOLA the next year. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, is he is, and will he be will he still be Duncan Idaho or is he is he technically hate at, the, at that point? Until he has to go against your team. Jason right and has to defeat Paul and then he drops the ball and has an awakening yeah. that's that's when he becomes uh, Duncan again I think the buzzer beater is the thing that triggers his <laughs> memories you know he has to okay because I'm just thinking from a merchandising standpoint it might be <laughs> it might be better like you sell more merch if you change the name right away when he comes back as the Gola, because people, you know, when he comes back, people might say, all right, I already have the Duncan Idaho jersey. Ooh, yeah. But if you have like the hate jersey, oh. now you're like, oh, well, I have to buy the, I got to buy the, the new jersey. Right. So I, I'm just Good saying idea. it from that perspective. Yeah. 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 It, it works with the Fortnite promotion, too, because it's just a different skin <laughs> for yeah, Duncan right. Idaho. You know, you, you get you collect all the Gola skins. <laughs> As kind of an aside, this is what I mean. Like, I don't know that the regular action, like, sci-fi popcorn audience is ready for, like, clone robot Jason <laughs> Momoa coming back as a character named Hate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I That'll be a tough sell. Hate. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It feels on the nose hearing it out loud. Yeah. It feels a little on the nose that he comes back as hate. When you read it, it's just like, yeah, that's another name. But hearing it out loud right. really does. Uh... Well, because the Y, it's like the H-A-Y-T. So you're like, okay, it's a different. Yeah. But, right. but yeah, when it comes back, when they're just saying, and here is our, uh, my emperor, here is a, a gift. Right. The Golod hate. <laughs> you just be like, what? yeah. And I mean, I don't know if you've seen the Duncan Idaho discourse online, Jason, but people are already sort of cracking jokes about Duncan Idaho as a silly name. So yeah. people are not ready. <laughs> I mean, it is. I like the name. I like, you know, again, this is kind of like a, a an aside, but one of the things I really love about Dune is the things that made it 
all the way to 20,000 years in the future. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the, 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 the stuff that we would recognize. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. a name like Duncan, Idaho or, you know, the orange Catholic Bible, like something like that. That's like, I can imagine the literal Jews. Yes. <laughs> like that. I can imagine like what the, what the evolution of those things were through the years. So I, I like yeah. that. Duncan, Idaho. Yeah. Same. Yeah, for sure. Weird name, but I like it. <laughs> All right, let me round out my basketball team before I hand sure. it off to Leo. Sure. Center, Jason, you and I agreed. The Baron gotta have totally him. makes sense here. He's got the suspensors. He's floating around. He can't travel. Uh, and he's he's like a big, imposing yeah. guy. Like Throw me the ball. <laughs> my ball. Pass me my the, game. Pass me the ball. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think he... The suspensors really kind of are the loophole that give him the edge there, yeah. plus plus his physicality. He really lingers in the steam room, though. I mean, he really lingers in the steam room <laughs> he's after there the game. all the time. All I the mean, t- he's there for days, literal days in the fucking steam room. Right, big on mud baths too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to fill you got to fill a, the whole bathtub with like olive oil and balsamic vinegar and just wait there. <laughs> Tastes great. I mean, yeah. delicious. But you know, yeah, great for your skin. <laughs> all right, Leo, let's hear let's hear your team. Oh, Lord. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, having deeply researched this by watching Kuroku's Basketball, the <laughs> anime, yeah, I would say uh, point guard, I'm going to go Peter DeVry University, uh, Peter DeVries. Now, he had a 25-year career with the, the Harkonnens before his, you know, tooth incident, and he's only made one mistake on the record. So I'm like, he knows how to call a play. He's... <laughs> he's generally i think he's pretty crafty he knows how to kind of figure out how to get to the net you know for him or the team and if we're keeping him on the outside we're keeping him away from that under the net action he's not as likely to like literally murder one of the other players you know just trying to keep those fouls and those chargings i think that's what it's called yeah uh trying to keep that to a minimum that's my thought there next up for shooting guard I was thinking Leto Atreides. Whoa. Dude's got some eagle eyes. He does. He spotted the worm way before Liet Kynes did, right? Yeah, he did. Mm, that's a good point. Liet Kynes took the L on that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, you're like accepted in village and siege and you can't fucking see the worm? What are we doing? <laughs> like, I- uh, yeah. It's tough. Also, Liet Kynes then getting snuck up on by three Stardacar. Yeah, come on, Liet Kynes. Moments after we see a group of Fremen having coffee, notice just a tiny little shadow. It's it's a tough look. but It's a very, very tough look. Yeah. I'm pretty confident that Leto Atreides can make a shot from full court. And... Just based on his beard alone, I think he can he can bring us the victory. Not only that, but like there's a tr- I gotta say the thing about uh, about Dilf Leto Atreides <laughs> Duke uh, is that Duke I'd like to fuck. There's a sex appeal to him oh. yeah. and a charm that will again for merchandising sake. This is going to sell calendars. This is going to sell tickets. <laughs> this is going to sell jerseys. He this is a guy who. You know, not to put too fine a, too fine a point on it, but like a trained sister of the Bene Gesserit was just like, "I'm in love with this guy." She got my feelings. training, yeah. my my <laughs> training, years of training and conditioning and genetic memory of all the sisters who came before me are telling me produce a daughter. But I'm I'm this guy's cute. What can I say? Right, look at this guy. <laughs> Yeah. Look at this guy. I want to give him a son because I fucking am dead ass in love with him. And <laughs> yeah. I think that if we can harness that, you've got a great team. 
You know, that's what every person on the other team, regardless of their sexual orientation, is going to go, okay, like, after I this game to- is over, I'm going to try to get this guy to go out to drinks with me. We're going to, like, try to get this done. Yeah. T- totally distracted. Yeah. 100%. I'm just, I would just be like, listen, with no strings attached, can we just fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> No strings, zero <laughs> strings, like whatever it is, it is, but what's up? Desert power, court power, he's got it all. Yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> spit on me like Stilgar. Yeah. I am your table, spit on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, there was a TikTok I saw of just him spitting on the table and cutting to someone, and it's that audio in TikTok where they're like, am I attracted to this? I'm attracted to this. Yeah. Am I? Yeah, I am. <laughs> so, Okay. Next up, we have small forward. I'm going to go Hasimir Fenring. Count Whoa! Fenring. My dude. You're a big Fenring dude, stan. I the fucking... Tom Bombadil of the <laughs> Dude movie. I don't know that we see this guy. Yeah, I don't think we see I him. I don't think we get him. We I don't. I don't think we get him. I hope we do. This dude, I mean, in the book, canonically, he was a Kwisatz Haderach candidate. Well, almost. Right. He had the chance and the capability, you know, he look, he's looking at Paul, one of the most powerful people in history and going, yeah, I could totally kill him. Like, I've got this. This is fine. Yeah. He just said that. And he chooses not to. Right. But other than, okay, so that would, that would actually put him at a disadvantage if he was going up against a team with Paul on it. But (laughs) point is he can get anything done. Shaddam the fourth is like, I need someone who can get stuff done. He trusts Fenring. I trust Fenring as well. Three-pointer layup, he can probably dunk. Interesting. I think he's got it covered. I, I call him the almost Hotterack. I don't, uh, <laughs> yeah. obviously, like, a, a very dangerous guy, but I wonder if I wonder if there's the, enough on-court production from the count. That's all I'm saying is, like, oh, sure. he, he's yeah. more rep- he might be more reputation at this point than than mm. actual on-court production. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, when it comes when push comes to shove, he's just kind of like, eh, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you think then he would be like a good coach, like a good like, yeah, like, I he'd, think like he'd be a good person to have advising? A vet at the end of the bench or even like a guy like a vet off the bench. Yeah. Maybe like an assistant coach who just who's who just recently retired. Mm-hmm. Even off the bench I worry about it because <laughs> You know, he shut on the fourth, called him off the bench, right. and Count Fenring was like, "Ah, I'm not going in. I'm not playing. That. I'm gonna sit this. I'm sitting this one out." I was gonna say the same thing. What if he sees Paul and betrays you? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sitting this one out. Yeah. I think you just have to make that play, right? You see Paul on the other team, and you go, "You know what, Fenring, come off the court." Fenring's like, "Why?" And we're like, "We both know why, dude. Just have a seat." The actual Quisatz Hatterack yeah. is there. Like, just it's not gonna work. <laughs> Next up, I have power forward. This is probably controversial, but I'm glad, Jason, that you've set the uh, stage for me to have a non-human player. Right. I'm going Shy Halud Sandworm for my power forward. <laughs> wow. This is huge. Literally huge. <laughs> this is, I know that they grow up to be like four times the size of a football field, so getting them onto the court yeah. might be a little bit of a challenge, but... I'd like someone to stand in the way. Right. Like, I want any person <laughs> to try to stop him from getting to the hoop. And I got to say, I don't think it's going to happen. Best they can do is, like, hook him and try to steer him away. Like, that's 
the only thing I can think of working. Now, here's what I think is great about it. <laughs> when he when they do the on court, you know, the home home game presentation where they do all the names and numbers and they, you know, from yeah, uh, yeah. from uh-huh. the University of Caladan, <laughs> you know, like uh, Duke Leto Atreides. Yeah. And then they'll do like Darude's sandstorm for Shia like, <laughs> and then they'll have Shia Lude come out. My one worry with Shia Lude is that if the if you're on the road and the other and the crowd starts doing like the stomp, the Shia Lude will just fucking veer off the court into the crowd. And then yeah, and it's like it'll be like oh what's that? And it'll be just run off after that. And now you're playing four on five because your your starting power forward went after some fucking rhythmical sound and is gone. Yeah, I think that's a concern. Also, and this is like, you wouldn't think this with a guy this size, but very small abrasions in his skin <laughs> throw him completely He's off. like Anakin in that way. Not a fan of sand. Yeah. Yeah, it's coarse. It's rough. Very, very small, <laughs> like, cracks in his endoskeleton cause him to be like, ah, and then he just can't, he can't move in the way he needs to move. So that is, it's an issue, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting pick. I'll say that. That's Jason's way of saying your team is shit. (laughs) (laughs) Loud and clear. I get it. It's fine. We're not going to get the championship trophy, but I'm going to have fun losing. I mean, you know, what happens if someone sets up a thumper in the parking lot and your fucking Shiloh's gone? (laughs) I was literally thinking, like, listen, we're playing Staples and there's, like, raves in, like, downtown Los Angeles. Yeah. We're down. He's just like, We're I'm down out. to player. What's that? I love beats. I gotta go eat. I gotta go eat this rave across <laughs> town. I had a very clear image of them playing Sandstorm and him just surfacing and eating the court. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. I mean, listen. It would be good for the first game, probably <laughs> the first and it last would be game. Pretty exciting. <laughs> pretty exciting. And then finally, uh, center. In the same way that y'all have to have Paul on the team, I just feel like I wouldn't be right not having Duncan on the team. Mm. So I'm going to go Duncan for my center. Uh, again, he's big, tall. He can he can get those uh, centers go for like, they get rebounds and stuff, right? Yes, they do do that. So, you know, also we have to like please the fans a little bit. Uh, Jason, you're very merch minded. I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. We got to sell this merch. We, we got to sell the we merch. We got to get income. You know, Duke Lido is also like, you know, I learned it from the Duke. He, he needs that income. That spice has got to flow because if it doesn't, we're we're absolutely <laughs> fucked here. So we got to move tickets. Right. Yeah. It's also one of those things. I'm on this arc in uh, Kuroku's basketball where a single center is shutting down the whole other team. I feel like <laughs> Shai Halud has gone off to find a rave. Uh, <laughs> Hazemir Fenring just chose not to play today. Yeah. And... Still, Duncan Idaho is going to bring home the victory by himself. I love it. He defeated 12 other basketball players by himself before dying in that hallway. So, you know, it also saves us a budget on hiring a mascot because we just have him. Nice. It's great. Amazing. Jason, can we get your all caps NBA analysis? Which of our three teams is making it to the championship? Well, I think it's between uh, you and I, Abu. Again, Leo, I think I think it's I think it's an exciting I think it's an exciting team, but I think there are some obvious weaknesses, and I think we've laid those out. Um, Wow, I don't, you know, honestly, it's 
I mean, you can pick your own. There's no, there's no shame in picking your own. No, team. I don't want to do that. I think what you do here's this is how you. Here's what you do: you put it out as a as a call to action to uh, to the Gamjabar fan base uh. and say whose team is the best. Ha- uh, get at us at hashtag Gamjabar. And you make the and you make the audience pick. That that's Let's great. Get okay, that engagement going. Get that engagement. I love how business minded you are, Jason. Yeah. All right. Let's get down to business. Well, there's one other question. Well, there's two more, but these are quicker, mm-hmm. much quicker. We also wanted to play a little game of fuck, Mary kill. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. And you could either go about this strategically or in more of a silly way. I think Leo and I kind of went different strategies with, the, with this. Always. But, yeah. Um, across all of the characters in the Dune universe. Yeah. Who would you fuck? Who would you marry? Who would you kill? And what's your reasoning behind those? Silly or strategic? Well, I'm going to go... Now, let me first say that what I'm about to say is from the perspective of Paul, and I appreciate that this character is like 16, which is an issue. (laughs) That said, fuck Chani, marry Princess Irulan, and kill Jameis. (laughs) There you I, go. I, I'm going the Paul route. He has laid it out for us. Yeah, the Paul trifecta. Laid, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. follow in his sand walking footsteps <laughs> uh, because how can you go wrong? He did it. He he gave us the the blueprint. Fuck Chani, Mary Princess Carolyn. <laughs> which listen, it was a business decision, and I think a, and I think the right business decision, a smart business decision. It brought the conflict to an early end. Princess Irulan uh, was suspect in her own right. That said, he knew what was going on. Right, he knew right. that the birth control poisons were going out. Yeah. And he eventually got Chani uh, off of those to a you know, very dramatic effect. And then, of course, like killing Jameis, uh, he didn't want to do it, as I don't want to do it. Jameis, you know, there's a lot of wisdom and experience there. Friend of Jameis, yep. Um, mm-hmm. But... Jameis asked for it. He <laughs> fucked around and found out, and that's what happened. Literally, so yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, so that is my, that's my answer. Very good answer. Love it. Follow the Paul template. Yeah. Because he went out. He ended up on top. Yeah, he did do it. He is the Lisan Al-Qaeda. <laughs> right. <laughs> he is doing that. Right. It seemed the right way. <laughs> well, I went a slightly different route. I reached far into later books for my own picks. Mm. I decided... Fuck Hui Nori, yep. a character from God Emperor of Dune, <laughs> uh-huh. simply because <laughs> sure. she she's sort of yeah, yeah. If she's good enough for the God Emperor who ruled for thirty five hundred years, yes. I, I frankly I think she's good enough for me, and it doesn't even have to be a physical thing. Yeah. Clearly, she uh, aroused something in the God Emperor just on an emotional right. level. Yes, <laughs> he famously does not have genitals, so that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. Physicality a little tough for him, but Hui still <laughs> aroused those feelings, and I think if she can do that without touch. Boy, I can't wait to see what you can do right. with Dutch. <laughs> as far as Mary, I went a little bit more strategic. I did go the Paul route. Sure. As far as Mary Irulan. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have to. It's smart. I think I would fall fall into the same category of like marry her, but not really like share a bed with her sort of situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. She can go off and do her own thing. But that is my path to the throne, clearly, is right, through Irulan. Right. So I got to use her. It's just the family photos and, and holidays. That's the only time you're really hanging out with Irulan. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just the official stuff. The Christmas card, yeah. She's writing her books and stuff and getting those published. But right. that's yeah, like exactly. her yeah, own yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe on a good day, I'll read one of her first drafts. <laughs> and then finally, uh, as far as kill, I, I think I would kill my competition. I, fe- I feel like I would go for the king. I would go for Paul. How would you do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good question. How would you kill how Paul? Would you, yeah. How would you do it? Um, 
Based off of what happened in Messiah, I would probably not go hand him Duncan Idaho route. Sure. Psychic poison doesn't seem yeah. to work. It almost, it almost, I mean, it seems like it might have almost worked at one point. It was but close. Yes, it was close. Yeah. yeah. It, didn't, it didn't quite work. Right. So I think my move, and again, I don't know how effective this would be, but based off of how close the stone burner got, as far as at least getting his eyes, which he saw coming, he knew it, it was going to happen. Some combination, I think, of a stone burner shot from a spacing guild ship so that he can't see it. Yeah. Can't see it. He can't see he it. He doesn't see it coming. It's a blind spot. But I feel like Stoneburner, and like I know there's some casualties there, some innocents <laughs> gonna say, nearby. You are <laughs> risking the entire planet, my friend. <laughs> I mean, you know, to be fair, right. you're killing a guy who killed, like, what, by his own account, 65 yeah. million people or so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it is. Like, that's yeah. A, that's a lot of people. Right. That's fair. Okay. So, you know, I feel like not only am I taking out my competition to the throne, but I'm potentially preventing a jihad right. that, right. you know, like you said, Jason killed yeah, yeah. 60 plus billion people. Uh, I, I know there's a whole stagnation of a humanity thing. Uh, maybe I'll figure out some way to deal with that myself. Yeah. But I, I got I to gotta ax Paul and get him out of my way. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Pretty good. All right, Leo, you're up. Uh, okay. Well, you know, with all of my answers, I was tempted to say Clarby. Famously, <laughs> the bus driver for the Benny Gesserit <laughs> on Wallach. Yeah. He's he's my favorite on Chapter House. He's, he's my favorite character. Uh, again, I stand him until the end of days. So I was tempted to say Clarby for fuck. Uh, again, if he can handle a shuttle, I'm pretty sure he can handle me. Um, but I'm going to go with hurrah on this one. Mm. You better treat her with respect. I Listen. That she deserves. <laughs> she deserves so much respect. She's a mother. She's wonderful. <laughs> and after seeing her in... We're we're reading through uh, Messiah right now. She's just a lovely... Skin is, skin is a little dry. I mean, can we get her some lotion? <laughs> I'll treat her right. Listen, I mean, again, we're only fucking, but like... A little ashy, but a wonderful person. Listen, I bring the moisture. I bring the moisture. It's fine. Yeah. Next up, for Mary, again, tempted to say Clareby. He's got a stable job, and he's used to crazy shit. But I think in this case, I'm going to go Esmar Tuick. Oh, wow. Uh, the wow. smuggler leader of the smugglers okay that's a curveball yeah he's gallivanting he's a smuggler he's a ne'er-do-well a rogue sure a vagabond but he also gets invited to fancy dinner parties and he uh you know handles himself well uh, i mean i list and again just like a devil's advocate what sure. about are you concerned at all about the people around him <laughs> sure in his like smuggling cruise <laughs> and who they might be and like what they might be up to as much as I am, right. I hear you. Are you marrying into like a Tony Soprano situation? Because <laughs> yeah, I think considering Gurney, who I generally respect and, and like Gurney as a character, considering he seemed to fare pretty well with the smugglers, I'm going to use Gurney's success with the smugglers. He fell right into he it. He fell into it. And he didn't, you know, I think the other uh, Atreides men, many of them left planet, but I think that they kind of melded. I like to think, and I don't have any solid reason to think otherwise, that the smugglers are sort of, they're rough around the edges, but they've got golden hearts. Right. You know, they're just doing their business in a fucked up world. And I respect that. And, and I'm happy to, to play ball a little bit, to <laughs> borrow an idiom from an earlier question. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, hear you. And uh, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good point. Good thing to consider while I'm walking down the aisle. Uh, and then finally, to kill, uh, again, Claire B., would come back as a Gola because he struck a deal with the, the Benny Gesserit, so he's a good pick. But honestly, Corba, because fuck Corba. Corba's a piece of shit. Great. I, I love it. And then, those are my answers. 
<laughs> That's a great pick. I agree on Korba. Garbage person. <laughs> All right. One more bonus question for you, Jason. Yeah. Uh, wh- while we're on the topic of fuck, Mary kill, and while we're on the topic of hurrah, <laughs> uh, who do you think, Jason, is, is the biggest horn dog in the Dune saga who has the highest body count in all of dune right well i mean like if you wanna i picked hurrah because (laughs) the most because you've got the like actual visual evidence (laughs) of the horn like she's got the kids so like you know that it's happening i you know don't discount either fade rautha or the baron harkonnen they were in those pleasure palaces oh true yeah cutting it up like to a massive degree (laughs) right um but uh, obviously i i am loath to pick them because fade then goes in and has to strangle everybody which is a tough i think a tough vibe to bring into this kind of like positive uh thing that we're doing uh yeah you know like fade having to murder many of the consorts of house harkonnen i think that's that's a tough it's a tough thing that he had to do but he was asked to do it. So I'm going to stick with hurrah. Um, yeah. If you had to ballpark a number for hurrah, I mean, we have the evidence on the entire siege, entire <laughs> siege. I think the siege, I think the siege, you know, we understand that it fucking stinks in there. It smells like fucking shit <laughs> yeah. because they're shitting and pissing themselves all the time. Right, and then they right. get in there and they take off their still suits. And it's just like the smell of dried shit and piss like in the air and yeah. they love it they're like this smells is, like this home smells yeah. like home it's fucking amazing and i think that they are just like a, it's the culture of the sieges it's very intimate we are all together we share each other's water and i think that that extends to uh to physical the act of physical love yeah so i'm gonna go with hurrah. literal orgies yeah yeah literal orgies i hope they i hope they you know just take a take a baby wipe and wipe it up because <laughs> Again, they are disgusting. The Fremen are gross. <laughs> yes, I saw your tweets the other day about still suits and Fremen and the thigh pads. It's got to be absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Like, imagine the smell of taking off a still suit after weeks and yeah, oh whatever my gosh. the fuck it is. It would just be horrendous. Right, right. Also, not to get like way too into it, but you think about how dehydrated their bodies must be just the smell of their piss is going to be it's just, just <laughs> unimaginably bad it's unimaginable and you're drinking it you're drinking your piss yeah all the time. right mm. right drinking piss drinking you go in there and it's like oh i'll have a i'll have a double from an espresso and you just hear them hopping up, <laughs> spit into a little cup it's like okay yeah Wow, we have veered off into dangerous territory. <laughs> but Hurrah's a great pick. Um, I love that. We're big Hurrah fans on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, and we hope that she makes it into part two. Indeed. Because I-, I think she deserves to be on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we get that. As far as my pick for highest body count, I'm going to cheat a little bit here and pick Duncan Idaho and all of his goalies. Because <laughs> if we count right, right. all 3,500 years of Duncan Idaho existing over and over and over again, I feel like even if he is busy trying to assassinate the God Emperor for most of that, <laughs> right. there's some downtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he 3,500 years is a very long time to pump your numbers up. Yeah. Uh, and obviously we've established that canonically he's a very attractive and physically fit man. Yeah. And in the movie, he's literally Jason Momoa. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't... 
I don't think it'd be hard for him to fi- find his one night stands and his no strings attached hookups every now and then in between plotting the downfall of the God Emperor. Especially in the galactic center. He's in the capital city of the universe. Like there are, <laughs> yeah. there's tourism. Right. People are there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Now for my pick, again, I think Duncan is the clear choice if you're looking at like, yeah, all Golos are the same person. But uh, I think for a single lifetime, I said Margot Fenring. Okay. I think... um, Interesting. Yeah, I think... I mean, we learn that she is literally a breeding sister. So within the sisterhood, her job is to sleep with people and, like, gather babies (laughs) via seduction. And I think that, like, if we looked at the Honored Matres or if we looked at some of the characters that are introduced in Heretics and Chapter House, similarly, their whole job is basically to get with people. So they probably do rack up the numbers pretty quickly. But ultimately, I also just, I just like Margot Fenrick. Yeah. Like she's, she's got. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> she's great. She's great. Right. I mean, who wouldn't? Right. I mean, she's wonderful. Fade was fine with she's it. She's just getting her fucking back blown out like, all the time. Yeah. Fade was fine with it. And again, like she's out here with her husband. Her husband's supportive. Like mm. he's great. Yeah. And uh, she's just, she's a powerful sexual woman, owns her sexuality. And I, I bet she has some, uh, some great stories to tell. I love that. So I, th- I think Margo, Margo's my pick. Okay, great one. Yeah, that, that's great. I think canonically that one makes the most sense it. probably. Yeah. Well. That's a great pick. Whew. All right, Jason, we've taken up enough of your time. Thank you so much for bringing some incredible sports energy to this podcast, which is something we've des- <laughs> yeah. desperately been lacking. <laughs> because our main feedback we get from fans, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> more sports. Can you guys talk about basketball more? Like, <laughs> yeah. what do you think about how the Raptors did, or are the Raptors a yeah. team? Abu, that's a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was a pleasure to have you. And obviously, we're such big fans. So we're over here geeking out um, just to be able to be on mic with you. Such a such an honor. Totally. Oh, thanks. That's so kind. Just here at the end of the podcast, we want to give you the space and hand the mic to you. Tell the listeners um, where they can find you online and listen to all your awesome stuff. Sure. Uh, my sports podcast, Take Line, comes out every Tuesday. Uh, find it wherever you get your podcasts. My pop culture uh, podcast, X Revision, comes out every Wednesday. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> All Caps NBA um, is drops on Fridays on YouTube. Uh, check it out. And uh, the official podcast for Foundation on Apple TV Plus is currently uh, getting dropped into your feeds from the uh, Apple Podcast app. So check that out, too, if you're watching that show. Wow. Which is really good. Are you, like, busy or something? So you've got or? nothing going on, it sounds like. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, well, like as an aside, we, we taped that, like, all in two weekends, like, the Apple TV. Yeah, that we knocked oh, it out. Oh, wow, okay. I, I was wondering. Yeah. Because I have been watching Foundation and listening listening to that. That's amazing. Yeah, we'll have um, all of those links in the show notes for our folks. Awesome. And once again, thank you for joining us. This was so much fun. Thanks a lot, yeah. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Take care. Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Mwadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lord Party Podcast Network on lordparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the golden path.